Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Boneyard with Steve Robertson, as always. I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Art. Isn't it wonderful that we live in a country that we can celebrate Maroon Friday as we choose? This is our last show of the month from New Mexico. The current plan is for me to head back this weekend, and then we'll do Monday show from Starkville. That's a plan. I could be talked out of it, but either way, you're going to get a show on Monday. The current plan is for me to head back this weekend. I really don't want to go. I had a great time here with my wife. We've done some amazing things. Went up to Santa Fe, spent some time at a hot springs resort there. We've got some other plans before I head back. But, um, you know, it's tough living apart, but, uh, you know, it's for the short term. I'll be back out here in February. And, of course, I'll see her later this month on a cruise as we take uh, the first van vacation in about seven years. Yeah. It's been that long, and that's uh, really, uh, it kind of falls in the lap of your good friend and host. I got to make sure that my schedule is a little more family friendly as we move forward, but uh, especially now that everybody's getting older and getting out of the house, but um, yeah, we're in New Mexico for a couple more days, and uh, I'll be heading back, and uh, yeah, it's tough, man. It is. It's it's really tough. I'm not going to sit here and put on a brave face and say everything is, you know, it's, you know, as I want it to be. I mean, I'd love to be able to be home every single night with my wife, and so but this is only for the short term as she travel nurses. And uh, I got some other things I'm working on, guys. Got some other things in the plans. You know, we might do some more entrepreneur type stuff, you know, in, in addition to what we're doing. Not in, in place of what I'm doing, but uh, maybe in addition. Matter of fact, I reached out to a good friend in the real estate industry this evening. Try to get some information on perhaps some uh, commercial real estate property there in Stark Vegas. You just never know what your good friend and host is up to. You just simply never know. An opportunity knocks only so often in life. You got to think about that. It's like, is now the time to take a chance? I've always been a risk taker. Even in my advanced age of 50 years of age, I'm, I'm still a bit of a risk taker. And so I'm not scared to kind of put it out there and let it all happen for me. So there's a couple things out there i am kind of got my eyes on. We'll see how it works out. We'll see how it goes. You never know. Might need to do a uh, small business loan with one of you. Maybe you need to reach out. Let me know. I'll let you know what I got planned. Some things we're looking at, right? Some things we're looking at. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company, and I loved them before they loved me. I was a customer of that fine establishment before they were a sponsor of the show. Had I not been fully aware of the prospects of a wonderful meal when you put your feet under a table, I would have never agreed to have them as a sponsor of our show. Well, I turn down sponsorships all the time. You, you would say, well, Steve, there's so many commercials on the show. That's why it's a 90-minute show, right? I got to get paid for my time. Come on now. But it's always worth your time to go to Bulldog Burger Company. There are so many places you can eat, but there are a few that compare to the experience at Bulldog Burger Company. Whether it's a night out with friends, a night out with family, you can get your cravings cured right there at Bulldog Burger Company. Get that great restaurant quality hamburger. Maybe perhaps you get the BLT salad. That's a favorite of mine. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. 
but you're never going to finish it. I'm just going to tell you, the portion is so substantial. A lot of people just kind of pack in a salad and a small bowl and call it a meal. That's just not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. They did do a lot more than burgers. You'll be glad you go by. And I tell you this, kind of a sneaky favorite of mine at Bulldog Burger Company, we don't talk about enough, are onion rings. It's weird, though. I don't like onions, but I love onion rings. It's weird. It really is. It's one of those things you look at and say, it doesn't make any sense. Uncooked onions, I think, are of the devil. As a matter of fact, I think it says in Leviticus that people that put onions in potato salad are going to hell. Yeah, yeah, do your research there. But Bulldog Burger Company, listen, they're heavenly. You go there, you're going to have a great experience. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then Lewis Wind Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go have that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. Always have the spring rolls as your appetizer. Always. Make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, a place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. I started to show off kind of on a happy note, I guess kind of sad in some respects because I'm going to have to you know, kind of be apart from my wife again for a few weeks. But, uh, you know, here's the thing about that is uh, we, you know, God willing, we'll have a chance to reconnect here pretty soon. And there are some people back home in Starkville that are really struggling tonight. Uh, the Montgomery family. I don't know the family that I know of, but uh, we had a Starkville Academy student, a 10th grader, it passed away in the night. I don't know any of the details. I'm not going to speculate on that. I just know that a young person has passed away. That's one of the things that I struggle with in life. I've shared that with you guys before on this show. I fail to understand young people passing untimely. It's when, you know, there's, you know, people have car accidents and things like that. I mean, sometimes you're living life on life's terms, but this is one of those things that I, did, I really, really struggle with. And my struggles are small compared to the people that love this young man. And uh, I understand he was a student athlete. I know he's a football player uh, there at SA. They canceled all sporting events today. You know, of course, I have a teenager in Starkville now. I don't know if he had any interaction uh, with Danny or with Walker, excuse me. But uh, the reality of it is, is there are a lot of people out there that need your prayers today. If you're of the praying type, and I hope that you are. I'm a firm believer in prayer. You know, it seems when your life is falling apart, let's see how much of a believer you are in prayer then. Uh, but the re reality of it is, is this is a family that needs our support. And uh, my heart goes out to them. Uh, that is absolutely one of the biggest fears of my life is, is having to bury one of my children. I can't even begin to imagine. And because when they're in high school, you know, you're so hopeful about the future, right? Oh, they're going to be picking out of college and we get, you know, identifying a major, becoming a young adult. And you're just so hopeful. You know, because if you're like me, and listen, I grew up as broke as the Ten Commandments, man. I mean, we, we had nothing. I mean, we had absolutely nothing. Like when all these people talk about privilege, I just think to myself, goodness, I didn't get any of that. You know, but the reality of it is, and I know I said that a lot, is it's not just the current loss. It's the loss of future expectations and future dreams and things of that nature that just make it all seem so incredibly tragic. When a young person passes away, I mean, you know, this is a family, of course, it's burying a child. They'll never have a chance to see him get married or become a father or graduate from college. In this case, even graduate from high school. And so I just wanted to share that kind of as an open on the show today, not to get everybody down, but, you know, we want to talk about life on life's terms. 
There are some things that happen in life that are really crummy. This is one of them. It is a tragedy. And again, I don't know the details. I just know that there are people within our community today that uh, go to bed tonight with a much different outlook on life. And you know, it's like, well, it's right here Christmas. There's never a good time to lose a child. But I can't begin to imagine how hollow the experience will, will likely be. You know, when you got one more chair than you need, that's a tough, tough thing to think about. So for all of you out there that know this family, you pass along our condolences on behalf of a of a saddened Starkville family at Mississippi State family. We offer our thoughts and prayers to everybody involved. It's just one of those things that I just simply cannot wrap my mind around. I just simply cannot wrap my mind around young people dying. It, I know it's happened since the creation of time. I get that. I understand that. It's not, it's not a new phenomenon. But it's just one of those things, man, that I just wish I could take all these young people up in my arms and just tell them everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. I remember when I was young, man, it felt like I'd never get to this point in my life. I mean, I really think I'm living on borrowed time. You know, that's the thing I think about sometimes, too. You know, if life was fair, I'd be dead and somebody else would be alive. So, you know, by the grace of God, go I. I love life. I do. And there are some days, man, that I have absolutely fought to get out. That's the truth, man. I'm just being as transparent as I can be with you tonight. There have been some days in my life that I just felt like I just would like to lay down and die and pray for God to take me. But I know that every day is a gift. I know it. And uh, I, I, listen, I had a day here not too long ago, you know, a few weeks back, man, I just laid in my bed. I didn't want to do anything. I, didn't, I, I did not want to do anything. I didn't want to answer the phone. I didn't want to get up and do anything. I didn't want to do any work. I just wanted to lay there in my feelings, right? And sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes life just beats you down, but you got to keep grinding. You just got to stay after it. And, and here's the thing too, man, I've been recovering now. If I make it, if I make it nine more days, and there's a good chance that I will, if I make it nine more days, it'll be 31 years clean and sober. And the thing that I've learned through all those 31 years is that this too shall pass. They put that on the back of the chips, and maybe it's to remind us regularly because it's difficult for people like myself to because when you're in when you're in the middle of the pit, you think it's gonna last forever. But the thing that I've learned is when you have those cravings, and, I, and even 30 years into this thing, sometimes I have those moments, man, where it's like you feel like the world is caving in on you. And the first thought is, man, I, I sure wish I could have a drink. I sure wish I could just go knock one back. I sure wish I could get a fit of Jack Daniels and just knock it all back and make all this go away for a while. Just give me some temporary relief. Give me something for the pain. But if you wait... If you're patient with life and you're painstaking in your efforts, the moment passes. It does. It passes. And, and you know, for me, it's like I'm, I'm laying there feeling sorry for myself. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I get a text or a call from one of my kids. And I'm like, you know, if things aren't so bad, man, and, and these kids are going to need me. I got to take care of myself. I can't run out here and get drunk. Because I know what happens, man. I know how the story ends. I don't need to go live it to know how that path ends for me. It may be different for you. Maybe it is. But I know that if I go back out, I'm not coming back. I know it. 
because I know who I am. I'm a prideful person, man. You think I'd want to come back and everybody tell me, oh, he was a fraud all along? And he said, but Steve, you shouldn't care what other people think. I, I care. I do. I was telling somebody recently, you know, it's like some days I get down in the dumps. I think I got nothing left to lose. And you're like, well, hey, you got your career. You got your business. You got your reputation. You got all this. I'm like, yeah. But the things that matter the most to, to you in life, you know, sometimes when there's a shift in life, you lose perspective of all that stuff. At least I do. Maybe I'm different. But I know this. This too shall pass. All things good and bad will pass in some respects. But if you just are patient with life and let things play out a little bit, sometimes you got to wide knuckle it. Sometimes you got to text all your friends and say, look, I am not in a good place. Talk to me. I got some friends I absolutely wear out with that, man. I do. I know some people tell me, Steve, it always seems like you got it all together. Man, I don't. I don't. You know, I'm living with a fallen nature and living life on life's terms just like everybody else. Now, all these people follow me on Facebook and say, y'all, Steve, you got all this wisdom. You know, a lot of it is borrowed. It's stuff people have passed down to me, some things I've learned in life myself. But, you know, the reality of it is, is that life is tough, man. Life is tough. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let nerd wallets, trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. 
You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys, or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Ufi is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. And maybe it's easier for some of you. You know, it's like uh, when I when I listen to that song "Landing in London" by by uh, by our boys from the coast, Three Doors Down. I love that song, man. And every time I do it, it reminds me of my wife because I'm always so busy and I'm always going. I'm always doing this. I feel like I'm always away from her, and I hate it. I do. I absolutely hate it. You know, that's one of the things we talked about. Is we're going to start sharing more time together. She's going to travel more with me. I want to travel more with her. You know, I got to have a life, man. There's a part in that song, you know, it talks about, you know, it's like, oh, all I think about is you, you know, and it's like, I'm living a hard life and, and this is the only life I know. But the thing I do know is there are a lot of people out there that are a lot worse off than me. There are a lot of people out there that are living a very difficult life. They don't have the resources or perhaps the intelligence or the skill set to kind of push through it. And they feel completely abandoned by people in the world. But check on your friends, man. Check on your friends. When I get down in the dumps, it all, it all it never fails, man. It never fails. I'll be down. I'll be feeling bad for myself. And out of the blue, man, somebody will call or text I'd heard from in a while. Or, you know, somebody will send a message. Hey, man, I just finished this book of yours. And it reminds me that I've done something valuable in life. 
It does. It reminds me. I don't want to spend a lot of time preaching today. We're not going to pass around an offering plate and hum just as I am and have an altar call or anything like that. But it's like when these things happen, man, when you when these things happen, it makes you take an inventory of life. It does. You begin to consider your own mortality. You begin to think about your kids. You think about your goals. You think about your wife. You think about your spouse, your parents. And you think at some point, I'm going to bury some of these people and some of them are going to bury me. And I just hope that I love my children. It just absolutely wrecks me tonight to think about that poor family having to plan a funeral for their teenage son. It absolutely wrecks me. And I don't even know them. I don't even know them. I can't even begin to imagine that pain. You know, and Dan and I have had, you know, we had two miscarriages. And I'll tell you, you know, May 7th, 1994, at the time, was probably the saddest day of my life. And it remains one of the saddest days of my life. We we lost our first child to miscarriage. And I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. I was going to meetings every day. I was working every day. I was staying out of trouble, keeping my nose clean. I'd come home at night. I'd go have dinner with my wife. I'd, I'd go to bed. I'd watch a little blockbuster and we'd be done. Because I'm from the 1900s. It's what we did. We did Netflix and chill. We blockbustered and and uh, and chilled, I guess. That's what I was doing. I was doing everything right. I was doing everything that I was told to do and everything I knew to do. And then all of a sudden, we lost our child to miscarriage. Now, if you've ever been through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your arms have never felt so empty. And the hardest thing I ever had to do was bring her home from the hospital and her walk in that empty nursery. It puts a lump in my throat thinking about it right now. And I used to think that maybe my karma was being arrested on her, that she was being beat up because she was married to me. The bad things that I had done in life. I thought, you know what? I love this woman so incredibly much. And maybe it's not a good thing that she's with me. Because I've got a lot of, I've got, I've got to pay the piper at some point. And so I blame myself for a lot of that, for chemicals I'd put into my body and for the life that I had led. I'd made a lot of enemies. But I knew this. I knew in time things would get better. It didn't feel like at the time, but you push through, things get better. And I can tell you, we had Ani, and it was so absolutely incredible. It's like everything in my life, nothing mattered before that moment. When I saw my son for the first time, he was healthy. He wasn't happy. He was screaming, crying a lot. But I was so incredibly happy. I feel like, you know what, that God had fulfilled a promise to me. And you know what happened with our next child? We lost her to miscarriage too. And I remember saying then, I said, you know what, God, I'm not, I'm not turning away. There's so many people out there who don't have any children. And you've blessed me with at least one. And so I'm going to remain faithful and blessed us with three more. And uh, and they're absolutely amazing. And so, again, I, I've, I've talked about this longer than I wanted to. And maybe, maybe I needed to. Maybe maybe this is just therapeutic for me to kind of remind me, you know, of all the great things that I have in life. You know, because I'll be honest with you. People always say, oh, Steve, you work so hard and you deserve so much. And I, I don't know that I don't know that I always agree with that. You know, it's like I, I think sometimes, too, you know, even though it's been a long time since I have... Uh, Maybe live the life of crime, shall we say? You know, even when I go back to my hometown, sometimes looking on my shoulder just a little bit, you know, just a little bit. You know, now that now that your good friend and host has a little notoriety, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, somebody want to pay an old debt back, you know, from years ago. You know, I'm I'm, I'm never immune to that. So, uh, be that as it may, 
I just wanted to share that with you today because this is really not really about me. I just wanted to kind of share some of my thoughts about life. I know maybe you didn't tune in today to hear this, but I think it's important to understand that. Love your family. Keep your priorities straight and make sure everybody that you love knows how much you love them. And I got some people in my life, you know, like the way they show me they love me is like they do my, their, my, do, they do my laundry, you know, or they, they, they do my taxes, you know, if they do the things that I don't really want to do, you know, that's the way they show love to me. And I show it differently. You know, I'm, I'm very much a words of affirmation guy and a physical touch guy and a gift guy and that sort of stuff. I'm working on the acts of service. I am working on that kind of stuff. But, you know, the reality of it is, is nothing means more than looking somebody in the eye and say, hey, I love you. And then meaning it. And I had a chance to talk to all four of my kids today. And I told every single one of them I loved them. And so when I lay my head on the pillow tonight, I know that my wife knows how much I love her. And my kids know how much I love them. And that should be the goal each and every day. All right, time for today's top 10 list. We're changing the format up a little bit today. Brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. As you know, Blair, Blair Chandler, a mortgage professional. Listen, Blair's trying to get you in that house. Blair is trying to get you into that house. A lot of you thought, you know what, Steve, I want to do this. I just don't know how to go about the process. Well, that's why you listen to this show. Blair Chandler is a guy that can take care of you. Blair's been sponsoring the show for a long time. And he's closed a bunch of loans for Boneyard listeners. And listen, you're not unique or special, right? Blair can get you done too. 21 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back years and top 1% close ratio in the country. He works for a reputable lender, Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction. You've got the best guy with the best company doing the best job for you. If Blair can't get it done, it probably can't be done. But here's the deal too. If he can't get it done, he's going to put you on a path to put you in a position to be in a better borrowing situation in the future. But I, I guarantee you this. Blair Chandler is going to work harder for you than anybody else. Give Blair a call or text today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Or visit him on the website at closewithblair.com. And here's a little insider trading for you. Let him know you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's a $500 value, man. A $500 value. A lot of mortgages, you know, and a lot of fees, a company, mortgages. He's going to take care of some of that for you. All right, so Gordon Griffin, our friend, my friend, recently saw Gordon Griffin at the 120 Club meeting in Jackson. We had a great night there. They told me it was the biggest crowd of the year. That always means a lot to me that people turn out to hear me speak. It really does. Uh, but Gordon was there, and Gordon hit Roy up and said, hey, what if you did this? What if you did that? And so, you know, he had a couple ideas that uh, didn't really turn the gears much, but he had one that I thought was rather intriguing. And that is top 10 songs with whistling. Yeah, not yodeling, whistling. And there are some burners on this one. I spent some time, I meditated on this. I thought about it. I I Google searched, I listened to some songs. I said, you know what? What are the best 10 songs with whistles? Now, this is, again, a very diverse list, man. It is. You know, not, not as much as maybe yesterday, but it's a very diverse list. Got You got a lot of pop on here. You got some rock on here. You got some introspective tracks. You got probably our number one song, I think might be the best love song of my generation from the rock genre. Now, my honest opinion, since we're talking about that, 
I think the greatest love song of my generation is uh, Never Tear Us Apart from NXS. I think that is one of the most beautifully written and performed songs and very earnestly performed vocally. I don't know how you can't respond to that song emotionally. If you have ever been in love or you are currently in love and you listen to that song, if you don't feel something, you might want to go see a doctor. It is an amazing song. But probably the second best song is your number one song today. So let's get to the list. Number 10 on the list. We're going 80s here, but it's not 80s hair metal, wise guys. It's Joyride from the pop sensation Roxette. Joyride from Roxette. Roxette was really cool, man. Roxette, uh, and I know that uh, my buddy Brian Haydad had said uh, a while back, like that's one of his favorite bands from the 80s. And you kind of giggle and laugh about it a little bit. And then you go put it on. You put on the playlist. You think, you know what? I remember this. I remember that. Like, she's got the look. Or what, are you kidding me? You didn't like that song? So many good songs from Roxette. But Joyride, number 10 on the list. Number nine, a classic song that opens with kind of a lonely, whistle. It's The Stranger from Billy Joel. Nowhere, nowhere else in the country are you going to get Roxette and Billy Joel back to back on the top 10 list other than the Boneyard. Number eight, the great Pat Benatar, an incredible performer in the 80s. Not just easy to look at, but uh, a great songwriter, an amazing voice. But Love is a Battlefield. It's a, it's a great track, too. And, and the video is pretty cool, too. I mean, there's like this little group dance number. It's a little bit cheesy. But uh, love Pat Benatar. Love Love is a Battlefield, too. Number seven, we're going a little more modern here. Kind of alt rock, I guess you could say. The bass line for this song is absolutely infectious. But it's the subject matter is rather interesting because you hear this kind of, you know, kind of a morose pop beat, and then you, you listen to the lyrics, and it's basically about a kid getting shot and killed for his tennis shoes. It's Foster to People's Pumped Up Kicks, and we played this at Duty Noble Field, and I love the song. I do. I love the whistling part. I love that bass line. I think it's incredible, but it's about shooting a kid for his tennis shoes, and we play that song at Duty Noble. It just absolutely blows my mind. There are some songs sometimes that make it into these sports venues that are rather anthemic. Uh, you know, like Stranglehold from Ted Nugent. I love that too, but are we really playing a song about domestic violence? I mean, come on. I love the song. I don't like the lyrical content. All right, number six, probably the most famous whistling song of all time. It's Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. And you know, this may be higher up on your many of your list, but guys, they played this so much. Like if I never heard it again, I'd be cool. I could still sing it from memory. I mean, it's like it is just absolutely ingrained in my mind. Don't worry, be happy. And it was a very happy song. It was something that people really liked, kind of had a little reggae swing to it. But it was everywhere. Oh, my gosh, was it everywhere. I'm from the 1900s. I remember these things. Number five, also from the 1900s. You know, probably my favorite female recording act, maybe of all time, had a handful of hits. And I, I had a big thing for Susanna Haas. She was my favorite bangle. So we're going with Walk Like an Egyptian, which is a really silly song, but it played well to the MTV generation. Like they even had Muammar Gaddafi. They did some animation there and made him walking like an Egyptian. And so all that stuff was really funny and silly, and it seemed like ground, groundbreaking editing work at the time. But really, we tuned in to see the girls. I mean, honest, honest to, let's just be honest about it. 
we loved the Bengals because, yes, they were talented. They were also very fun to look at. All right, number four. One, I think one of the most important songs of my generation. We have talked about this track. We've done the Scorpions a handful of times. We've done the Scorpions top 10 list, and it seems like every time that, uh, you know, when I, when I start thinking about great rock bands, Scorpions always seems to find a way on the list. I had a chance to see the Scorpions in Biloxi years ago with Motley Crue and a band called Laid Law that was kind of a Nikki Six creation. I had never seen the Scorps. I was absolutely blown away. And you know what a huge Motley Crue fan I am? I thought the Scorpions were better than Molly that night. And that's when Randy Castillo was on the drums for Molly. Tommy was estranged from the band. And Molly was good. Don't get me wrong. They always are. And maybe not as much as of late. But the Scorpions were such pros, man. They were so tight. And Rudy Schenker and Matthias Jobs. And those guys were incredible. And, of course, Klaus Meine up there. I mean, just absolutely singing through an accent and making it sound so incredibly cool. But this is the song Wind of Change from the Scorpions, and uh, it is about the fall of communism in Eastern Europe. These guys are from Germany, and you know when, when the Berlin Wall came down, and it's incredible to think that there are so many young people today that have no idea about the Berlin Wall. And maybe you've read about it in a history book, but it's something we live with. I mean, we, in the 80s, we live with the threat of nuclear war at all times. And maybe that's why we're so tough today, or maybe that's why we're all on uh, antidepressants. But... Uh, we always live with that fear. And then all of a sudden, when the Berlin Wall came down and Germany was united again, and I remember seeing those images of those guys reaching over and shaking hands across the wall. And you began to realize something momentous was happening in the world. And all of a sudden, we all felt a little more free. We all felt a little safer. It's like this evil empire that was communism at the time was toppling before our eyes. And we begin to think this is a moment in history that'll be recorded forever. And no song captured that moment better than Wind of Change from the Scorpions. So I don't care if you, if you like the Scorpions or not. If you like history or you just like songs that are really authentic and songs that are written from the heart, put on Wind of Change and think about the fact that these guys in their homeland saw their country united for the first time in their lives. An amazing story. Absolutely amazing. Okay, number three, a song that really has uh, no cultural significance whatsoever. It's just a fun song. And I think this is the first time the Jay Giles Band has been on the top 10 list for the show. And it's Centerfold. Oh, my blood runs cold. My angel's in a centerfold, you know. And, and it's basically about a guy's dating a girl. Next thing you know, he goes and pick up a Playboy magazine and there's his girlfriend in there that was completely unaware of it. And so it's just kind of a fun, silly song. There's a nice little whistle part that closes the song that I think is really kind of the signature moment in the song. Number two, kind of honoring one of the greatest of all time. One of the great crooners, one of the great R&B singers. And I don't know that you could even put a label on this guy. It's Otis Redding. If you don't like Otis Redding, there's something wrong with you. I mean, honest to goodness, if you can't appreciate the beauty and majesty of that soulful, rich voice, I just kind of question your decision-making process. Otis Redding, an absolute king, man. But Stock of the Bay, what else could it be? And, and that's the whistle's not even the best part of the song. I mean, it kind of adds a little, a little color to the song. But Otis Redding, man, if you are looking for something like you're on your next road trip and you're by yourself and say, I'm just so sick of all these podcasts and radio stinks, 
just put on Otis Redding, man. Just find Otis Redding Essentials and just let the warmness of that incredible vocal delivery just wash over you. But number one, I teased it before the list started. It was covered by Chris Cornell before his death. It's Guns N' Roses' Patience, the best whistling song, I think, of all time. The song opens with that incredible whistle. I don't know what made them think to do that, but it really adds some nuance to the song. And you may not remember this. I've mentioned this on the show before. You know, the fact that they released Patience by Chris Cornell on No One Sings Like You Anymore, which was like the posthumous release of some Chris Cornell material. Guns N' Roses took Soundgarden out. And when Guns, Axl Rose first found a Soundgarden, he said, these guys are the next big thing. And, um, and so Soundgarden got their first major tour with Guns N' Roses because of Axl Rose. And if you listen to the Spaghetti Incident on the uh, Buick McCain cover, there is also, a, you know, it's kind of a medley. And the second half of the song is a cover of the Soundgarden track, uh, Big Dumb Sex. And so here it is kind of coming full circle in the end with Chris Cornell covering a Guns N' Roses song. You know, I have my feelings about Chris Cornell. But patience, man, if you've ever, forget Axel and forget Slash and all the big hair and all the makeup and all that stuff. If you just sit and listen to this song for lyrical content and you think about the person you love, this is just one of those songs, man, to me, that just stands the test of time. There are a lot of songs that are dated and they fit certain genres and they fit at a moment in time. This is one of those songs to me that is absolutely timeless. Patience from Guns N' Roses, your number one songs with whistles on the top 10 list. So Gordon, thanks for the idea. Hope I did your list justice. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out to my friend Roy Samante. You can find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can find him also on Spotify. And all of our lists will just kind of auto-populate on your phone. Subscribe to Roy's channel. A new list comes up. Boom, there it is. We share him on Twitter and Facebook to make it easier for you guys. It would be nice if you would follow Roy. It would make him feel good. I mean, it, it really would. You know, Roy's followers, I think, doubled and probably tripled. You know, once he started doing his top 10 list, and he was so gracious to do it. He loves the show and loves the top 10 list. And he goes, you know, I think it'd be cool to do these things as a playlist. And the next thing you know, we've, we've done about 400 of these. It's crazy to think about what a monstrous thing has become. And I have so many people that'll come out. That I've seen some comments sometimes on the message board. Oh, I don't like the top 10 list. Okay, good for you. Okay, fine. There are a lot of things I don't like in life either. Okay, and I hope you don't stop listening to the show because you don't like the top 10 list. There is the fast forward button too. All that said, I have more people to come up to me at book signing and say, hey, Steve, I love the top 10 list because you have turned me on to so many bands I would never have known before. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, the thing that shocked me the most, I guarantee you I've had at least 20 people that have come up to me or have messaged me or have spoken to me and said, hey, you know what, Steve, I did not know anything about the band Taproot until you mentioned them on the show. And I absolutely love these guys and I hope they release new material. So we've added some new Taproot fans because of the Boneyard. Those guys should cut me in, right? And so that's part of the gift of this thing. I mean, I love being able to share music with you guys and talk music and turn you on to new bands. It's a really, really cool thing. But again, uh, thanks so much for your support of the Boneyard. It's always brought to you uh, by CloseAtBlair.com. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookMart.net. I love Campus Bookmart, and you will too, if you don't already. Chances are you do. They're a Stark building and institution. Next time that you are in our neck of the woods, go by and see their smiling faces at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town between now and Christmas, let me encourage you, get your online shopping done today. 
visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by using the promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. I can promise you, you're going to spend a lot of dough with Campus Bookmark. They have the most extensive selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. Until we colonize Mars, we won't know for sure. But we're going to make that claim today anyway. Be sure and check them out again. Campusbookmart.net brought to you courtesy of Al Gore's internet. Promo code BSR. All right, let's take a look back. You know, I like to go back and just kind of look and see what everybody had to say in the preseason. And none of us are perfect with this. None of none of us. Not me. Not your good friend and host. Not you. Not throwing out the guys at the Clarion Ledger. You know, there are guys that make mistakes here. But I thought, let's go back and look and see what everybody forecasts kind of around the league. And uh, I went with a couple different companies. I went with College Football News. That's run by Pete Flytech. And Pete's been doing it a long time. For a while there, Pete was affiliated with Scout.com, so I've known his work for many years. Very thorough in what he does, absolutely. And also the CBS, they're experts too. And uh, I'm going to read you some comments. They're kind of funny in hindsight. Let's start with Pete, though. And uh, Pete, the guys there, their preseason predictions of the SEC West. Alabama 1, Arkansas 2, A&M 3, LSU 4, Ole Miss tied for 4th, and then tied for sixth is Auburn and Mississippi State. They had Mississippi State dead last in the conference, had Auburn beating Mississippi State. Well, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. We'll take a quick look at the East, too. I kind of go back and look and see how they did the East. I think that's an important aspect of all this stuff, too. I can, I, sometimes it's like, you know how it is? You think you know the browser, and then the browser betrays you. It just happened to me. But the SEC East predicted order finished Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, tied with Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. So they had South Carolina beating Tennessee. It looks like they got a lot of this right, with the exception of Florida. I thought Florida would be better this year, too. I didn't think they would fully contend with uh, Georgia. I thought Tennessee would. I had Tennessee second, Florida third, and then uh I can't remember if I had Kentucky or South Carolina uh, next, but you know I, I feel good about my prediction on Tennessee. Uh, Kentucky is another one that I said was a fraud all year long, too. But let's look and see what they thought about Mississippi State's schedule. And, of course, they picked us last, last in the West. Thank you so much, Pete, for that. And, it's, and you know what? Next year they probably won't, nor should they. But they suggested that we would go three and five in the league and seven and five overall. Well, we finished a little bit better than that. They had us beating Memphis and beating Arizona, losing to LSU. Good, right? That's perfect. Had us beating Bowling Green, beating AM, beating Arkansas. So they had Mississippi State five and one, and then losing at Kentucky, losing at Alabama. Open date beating Auburn, losing to Georgia, beating East Tennessee State, and then losing to the Ole Miss Rebels. That didn't work out. Now, give them credit, too, now. They nailed the Ole Miss prediction with a few, with rare exception. They had Ole Miss going 8-4. and four, But they had them beating us. They had them losing uh, to uh, Auburn. This Another team they picked last. But, uh, again, they nailed the record for Ole Miss. They miss us by a game. 
but the rankings were all way, way, way off as my wife just sends me a heart. That's right. It's that kind of love affair. All right, so let's switch over to the CBS projections. Let's go back. Again, it's fun to go back and look at this. And some of these guys, I give them credit. They will come back and say, hey, I screwed up. I haven't seen it yet, but they will, and we'll all laugh at them. And sometimes they do it to kind of remove the sting of all of that. You're right. That's part of it, right? They, well, let me get out in front of this before everybody fills up my Twitter mentions and tells me what an idiot I am. But we'll take a quick look here. The CBS SEC expert picked for 2022. Most overrated and underrated teams, projected order finish, and bold projections. Bold predictions. All right, so... I'm going to read you some of this commentary because it's interesting. It's interesting in hindsight. Texas A&M is riding off a record-setting recruiting class, though it may need those players to mature before he's ready to vault into contention for the league crown. Well, that proved to be true. Florida and LSU are both in rebuilding mode after jettisoning coaches with national championship-winning experience. Dan Mullen is a coordinator under Meyer at Orgeron as a lead man, but the Gators and Tigers hope to prove doubters wrong with the immediate bounce-back campaigns. LSU did, Florida did not. Meanwhile, Kentucky and Tennessee have more hype in the SEC East than in recent memory. I wonder why that is. I think because I don't know, I don't know who runs the, the uh, sports information department in Kentucky, but they're kind of like the Ole Miss of the East. Like they're all, they always, 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 always get more juice than they deserve. I don't know why that is, but they do. And it's going to be interesting. Again, I think Kentucky is a program that is not going to benefit from the schedule rotation change within the Southeastern Conference. There is absolutely no doubt about that. You don't get the benefit of playing South Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt every year. And so all of a sudden, life changes a little bit. And we talked about how Kentucky rarely ever plays A&M or rarely ever plays Alabama. What are you going in Tuscaloosa once every 12 years? We do it every other year. We're, in some respects, I don't like the nine-game schedule, but I think we're going to get a, a much better draw than we're, we've been accustomed to for the past two decades because of the fact that, um, I, I guess three decades, think about it, um, because we're not going to have to play Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M every single year. So thank the Lord for small favors, right? So meanwhile, Kentucky and Tennessee have more hype in the SEC East in a recent memory, and Tennessee was absolutely deserving of that. Arkansas hopes to continue its surprising ascension from a year ago. Well, that didn't work out. Meanwhile, Lane Kiffin aims to prove his offensive work at Ole Miss despite his quarterback's departure to the NFL and add in the loss of Jeff Levy. And I was I thought that that combination of you know, Matt Corral and Jeff Levy both leaving would be a real problem for Ole Miss. They proved to be a very, very good offense. you got to give them credit. All right, so here we go. Here are the hot takes. Most overrated team. They absolutely nailed this one. Texas A&M. Texas A&M. You have to pardon me for those pauses. I just got a very interesting text. I can't really talk about it yet, but uh, let me, I've teased it on the show a little bit before. We've, we've, we've got some things that uh, are in the mix, shall we say. And it looks like tomorrow I've got a pretty important phone call. So maybe I'll be able to update you guys next week. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. Okay, but most overrated team, Texas A&M. The Aggies begin the year as a number six team in the preseason AP Top 25 and a consensus favorite to be Alabama's top contender in the SEC West 
after reeling in the top recruiting class of all time. That said, an 8-4 record and fifth-place finish in the SEC West last year doesn't exactly scream playoff contender. Granted, they lost opening day starter Haynes King to a season-ending injury early in 2021, but Texas A&M is the only team to finish with fewer than 10 wins in the preseason top 12. That's a good note. The Aggies should be in prove-it mode, especially after losing their four all-SEC players to the NFL. Well, you saw they went 5-7. and seven. Absolutely nailed that one. Now, they also have, you know, it was not, it's not all peaches and cream. They also had Tennessee listed as uh, overrated. AP voters had the volunteers as number 26 team in the country, and the coaches aren't that far behind. That's aggressive for a team that still has a long way to go defensively, and even the win total of eight seems optimistic for a schedule that includes Alabama, Georgia, and a game against LSU and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Is Tennessee in a place where it can be trusted to run the table otherwise, winning against likes Kentucky, Florida, and Pitt? Yes, while avoiding slip-ups in every position where the Vols are a sizable favorite. The team just went 7-6 and six a year ago, so while I definitely acknowledge Tennessee is a dangerous team, it's got another step in development before flirting with double-digit wins. Well, they got them. Now they're New Year's 16. Now it's funny, too, because the team we're about to talk about was listed as overrated and underrated. That's pretty funny how that works. You know, their opinions all over the map. So some of the experts for CBS had Ole Miss is overrated. Lane Kiffin's Portal King nickname is accurate, but not even the nation's number two transfer class can replace what the Rebels lost to quarterback Matt Corral, offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby, and defensive coordinator DJ Durkin. Corral was the soul of last season's 10-3 team, and the staff turnover will cap what this team can accomplish in the sport's deepest division. An easy non-conference slate puts the annual game with Vanderbilt, plus an annual game with Vanderbilt, make it a relatively simple uh, projection to bowl eligibility for Ole Miss, but this team will take a step back. Absolutely correct. So they got that right. This expert was David Cobb with CBS, and that you, you can probably guess who had him as underrated. We'll get to that in a second. Also listed as overrated, they blew this one, LSU. Things have gone south quickly for LSU since the Tigers won the NFL championship in 2019. The Ed Orgeron era ended with back-to-back seasons of 500 or worse. That's the first time that's happened at LSU since Jared DiNardo's last two seasons in 98-99. Brian Kelly was lured away from Notre Dame to get things back on track, and while there is excitement around the program, it will probably require some patience before we see LSU competing for division titles. Again, sounds very LSU won the West and will play this weekend in the SEC championship game. So good for them. Good for them. We'll get to the underrated teams now. Most underrated teams, according to CBS experts. These are always interesting, too. You know, again, these are hot takes. And again, again, everybody misses some. Most underrated team, Florida. Expectations for the Gators seem rooted in last season's six and seven record. And what do you know? They go six and six this year. But that performance was hardly indicative of the possibilities given a team's roster. Relative to everyone else in the SEC East, except Georgia, Florida still has the most complete team. That's not an unfair comment. Motivation seemed lacking in 2021 as Dan Mullen's tenure limped to completion and the team completely imploded down the stretch. That should not be an issue this season with a new coach in Billy Napier and defensive coordinator Patrick Tony, both of whom have proven track records of success. I still believe Billy Napier will be okay at Florida. I do. I think the brand of offense they run within that recruiting footprint will be easy to recruit to. I think they're going to be back in the mix next year. We'll see. 
quarterback play was rather interesting this year for them. But again, Anthony Richardson had skill. I just don't think they got it all out of him. Also listed as underrated, Tennessee. Josh Heupel has a quarterback, Hendon Hooker. If you have that in the SEC, you have a chance. Squint, and you can see the Volunteers winning nine games. But they could just as easily go in the opposite direction. Still, Tennessee is clearly on the rise. That's Dennis Dodd. Dennis, very, very close. Hendon Hooker, obviously, one of the better players in the Southeastern Conference this year and missed it by one game. Also listed as underrated. We first discussed them as an overrated team. Here they are as underrated. Ole Miss. This is so, 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 so homeristic. Too much has been made of the absence of Matt Corral and not enough has been made of the upgraded running backs core, versatile receivers, tight ends, and a quarterback situation that at the very least is stable. I, I, I don't know that I agree with that. You, lose, you don't lose an NFL quarterback and get better the next year. With Giffen at the helm, that stability transforming into excellence is more likely than not. I don't care what the defense looks like on a consistent basis because Ole Miss is going to click in a big way against pretty much every team it faces. Signed, your friend, Barrett Salee. Wow. Absolute shocker, right? Anybody that didn't think they were going to take a little bit of a step back this year was kidding themselves. And I think Ole Miss actually exceeded expectations. I really thought they'd be a 7-5 and five team. They ended up being 8-4. and four. But no, to expect them to contend for the West this year was probably asking a bit much. And they did until the schedule flipped, right? Those first seven games were a joke. All right, also listed as underrated, LSU. It's nearly impossible to rate this LSU team entering the season. What I can tell you is what the Tigers are not, and that's the fifth best team in the SEC West. That's where they landed in the preseason media poll. Both the high-end level of talent and depth of options at receiver make almost any other team in the league envious of what Kelly is inheriting. And if the defensive line can stay healthy, that group could be really nasty at the line of scrimmage. With multiple future pros at wide receiver and potentially dominant defensive front, LSU has two of the three or four most important building blocks for success in the modern college game. If Kelly can get quarterback figured out, the ceiling for this team is much higher than many expect. Absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. And LSU is never going to trot bums out there. Also listed as underrated, your Mississippi State Bulldogs. How about that? Tom Fernelli says, has any SEC program flown under the radar this offseason more than Mike Leach's Mississippi State? We're talking about a Bulldog team that returns a veteran quarterback familiar with all the ins and outs of Leach's playbook and nearly all the production from a defense, it was better than most realized last season. The Bulldogs are going to pull off at least one major upset and finish higher in the SEC West than most expect. I think Tom got it. I think you got to give Tom Fernelli a lot of credit here. I think Tom was on the Bulldog bandwagon a little bit earlier. I don't know that we got the major upset that we were hoping for, but we won many of the toss-up games that we were hoping to, Kentucky being the lone exception there. I think some people considered LSU a toss-up game but listen, it's so tough to go into Baton Rouge and win, no matter the circumstances. Also listed as underrated, and I disagreed with this in the preseason, Kentucky. At the risk of offending Coach Mark Stoops, Kentucky is definitely a basketball school. I don't, I don't know that anybody can really argue against that. That is the primary reason why his program flies under the radar. Well, that, in fact, they're just not very good. They're pretty mediocre, uh, Jerry. However, Stoops has taken Kentucky to six consecutive bowl games, including two Citrus Bowls, and it has four straight bowl wins. The Wildcats may not be ready to compete with Georgia in the East, but they match up well with everybody else. Not bad for a basketball school, Jerry Palm. Jerry, maybe stick to basketball. 
Okay, here are the bold predictions, and uh, everybody has has won. Dennis Dodd said Mark Stoops will win 10 at Kentucky, figure out he's hit his suing at Lexington, and will take the not-so-suddenly open position at Auburn. None of those things happen. Tom Fernelli, every team in the SEC West will go bowling, but only Alabama and Texas A&M will win more than eight games during the regular season. He blew, blew most of that. Chip Patterson, Vanderbilt will hit its over-under win total by the end of September. You got that, Chip, but that wasn't hard to figure considering that week non-conference schedule. And, of course, noted Ole Miss homer, Barrett Salee. Ole Miss will run the table during the first two months of the season. The Rebels will hit the bye week on November 5th with a battle against undefeated Alabama looming on November 12th. If they can spring the upset, Coach Lippin's squad could make a legit push for the college football playoff. I can't really argue against that. And they, they were really one play away from beating Alabama. And then they went in the tank, losing four of the last five. Sheehan Jiraja, I'm sure I got it wrong, Sheehan, I'm sorry. After an overwhelming divisional favorites, Alabama and Georgia, no other SEC squad finds their way into the postseason top ten. Tennessee would like a word. David Cobb says year one of the Brian Kelly experiment will go poorly as the ex-Notre Dame coach experiences the nation's toughest division for the first time. Tigers will miss a bowl game and finish with a top 10 signing class anyway. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Jerry Palm, the SEC will put two teams in the college football playoff again this season and have a third team in the top six. Well, that didn't happen either. Now here is, this is the interesting part here, is the predicted order of finish. All right, so we'll break these down individually, and it'll take us a minute, okay? All right, from the East, and the format for this is kind of difficult to kind of keep up with. Probably something we got to get fixed. All right, so Dennis died. So everybody had Georgia winning the East, everybody, as well they should, right? I think everybody on our side probably felt that way too. But everybody had Georgia winning the East. And then you run down, you know, let's see who got the closest here. And again, I hate having to toggle back and forth. Uh, Dennis died. Dennis died. Tom Fernelli and uh, Sheehan all had Kentucky finishing second. Jerry Palm and Barrett Salee had Tennessee. And then David Cobb, Chip Patterson, those guys uh, all had Florida. And then um, you know, kind of going down there, you know, Tennessee got a lot of third place votes. South Carolina was pretty much unanimous across the board. As the fifth place team, Missouri was unanimous at six and Vanderbilt unanimous at seven. So the, the real play here was in two to four. And it was between Kentucky, Tennessee and Florida. And of course, Tennessee ultimately uh, wins out there. So let's look at the SEC West is what you guys really want to know about. So all of the experts picked Alabama to win the West. No big shocker there. And, and who else would you have picked? Honestly, who else could you have picked with a straight face? All right. Uh, second place, A&M got one, two. Let's see, second place across the board. Dodd had A&M. Fernelli had A&M. Chip Patterson had LSU. Barrett Salee, of course, had Ole Miss. Uh, Sheehan had Arkansas. David Cobb had A&M. And Jerry Palm had A&M. That's all for second place. Third place, Dennis Dodd had LSU. Fernelli had Ole Miss. Patterson had A&M. Salee had Arkansas. Sheehan had uh, A&M, David Cobb with Arkansas, and Jerry Palm with Arkansas. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Mississippi State actually finished third. All right, so there was some love for State, though. Fourth place picks. Dennis Dodd had Arkansas. Fernelli had State. Chip Patterson had State. Barrett Salee had A&M. 
Sihan had Ole Miss, David Cobb had Mississippi State, and Jerry Palm had LSU. So a lot, the consensus opinion was State would finish fourth. We actually finished third due to tiebreaker against Ole Miss. Okay, looking at fifth place here, Dennis Dodd had Ole Miss. Tom Fernelli had Arkansas. Patterson had Arkansas. Salee had Auburn. That's his alma mater. Sheehan had Mississippi State. Uh, Cobb had Ole Miss. And Jerry Palm had Ole Miss. So a lot of people actually picking State to finish ahead of Ole Miss. Uh, finishing sixth, just across the board here, mainly it's Auburn. But Dennis Dodd with Auburn. Uh, Fernelli with LSU. Chip Patterson with Auburn. Barrett Salee had Mississippi State. No, excuse me. They had L he had LSU. Uh, and then Auburn for Sheehan and David Cobb, them finishing sixth. And then Mississippi State, according to Jerry Palm. And then last place was basically kind of a potpourri here. You got Mississippi State with two votes, Auburn with three, LSU with two. And so the ones that picked Auburn got it right. So if you look at this, again, the consensus opinion it was, was pretty pretty consistent, um, you know, for Mississippi State, that we would finish middle of the pack. And, of course, uh, Barrett Salee picks us dead last. And um, I don't know that that's ever really not the case. I mean, it's very rare that Barrett Salee gives Mississippi State any praise, but he always heaps praise on Ole Miss. I don't know if he married an Ole Miss grad or – married into an Ole Miss family or plays poker or pinochle or, uh, you know, plays bridge with some Ole Miss guys. I don't know. I don't know what he does or what his feeling is, but he clearly favors Ole Miss over Mississippi State. You may also recall, too, he was the guy that took to Twitter and was very critical of your good friend and host about the handling of the Ole Miss investigation and basically fought me every step of the way and basically suggested that I was wrong. Wrote articles that said everybody's going to be so upset. Nothing's going to come from this. And then in the end, he had to write articles that things did come from. So here you go. Pretty impressive type stuff. And I'm still getting these texts that are coming in. And I know I know that I'm not supposed to tease, but I'm still getting texts, man. I've already got a dollar number now for something pretty, pretty impressive tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. But this is a real thing. This is not just a fire drill. I'll give you more information when I can. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I would love to be that close to campus, just 1.1 miles away from campus. I used to run a lot. I might run more. I could just run on campus, right? I guess I could drive over there and do it. But the reality of it is 1.1 miles from campus means it's basically a you know two and a half mile or out and back. You can go knock that out. And maybe you're not interested in running. You're thinking, you know what, Steve, I want to be the stopover place for all my friends and family on their way to campus. Be like the place, you know, maybe mom can keep the kids and everybody can go to the ball game. Makes it easy, very convenient for everybody being that close to campus. Very easy to get to. Turn off 82 on the 12, like go into campus, take that very first ride at Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop and boom, there it is. Portico, right there on the right-hand side. Give yourself a self-guided tour. But you know what? You need to have a real estate agent involved here to kind of make this thing happen. You do. But if you need more information, and I, su I suggest you do, call my friend Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Brooks Bryan, a friend of Mississippi State, a friend of Starkville, a friend to me and you. He can give you and your real estate agent all the information you need. Here's the thing, too. Phase one's completely sold out. Your new neighbors are already living the high life out there at Portico. 
phase two under development now, many of those homes sold, some still available for purchase. And maybe if they don't have exactly what you want or what you need, you can pick out a lot, pick out a house plan, have some say in how your new home is built, whether it be your primary residence, a second home, future retirement home, they've got a plan to, to suit your needs. Make Portico your next move. I know you guys are doing some scoreboard watching on the men's side of basketball because I have seen these uh, these scores screenshot where Utah just destroys number four Arizona. Of course, Mississippi State Bulldogs recently knocked down Utah down in the Fort Myers Classic. And if you recall, I mean, the Bulldog defense absolutely just manhandled Utah, limiting them to just 49 points. And then Marquette had a big win earlier this week, knocking down Baylor. State held them to 55. So the quality of the non-conference schedule is begin to really emerge here. I think we'll begin to realize they seem like big wins at the time, and now they seem even bigger because these teams that we have defeated have knocked off some top 10 talent. It's pretty impressive. Of course, the Bulldogs went on Monday 74-54. to The Bulldogs back in action this Saturday at Humphrey Coliseum against Mississippi Valley State. Be a good chance for the men's bull, the men Bulldogs to uh, remain undefeated. State currently 7-0. and And three of those wins coming away from the friendly confines of Humphrey Coliseum, the newly renovated Humphrey Coliseum. But uh, it's time to get excited about men's hoops, man, because it's, these are not just, you know, the Louisiana School for the Blind that we're playing here. I mean, these are legit teams, and we're winning. We're not scoring a ton of points. We're scoring enough points. And, of course, you beat Omaha 74-54, and you expected to win that game. And, of course, you expect to, to win the Valley game Sunday and against a big weekend for State. Valley game at, at uh, 1 p.m. Saturday. Then we'll get on a plane and get ready to play Minnesota in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area there on campus. That's, and that, that game we broadcast on the Big Ten Network, so you ought to be able to watch all these. Now, the holiday game in Jackson is coming up on December the 14th. December the 14th. And, and, and I, I jumped ahead there. There's a week between the Valley game and the Minnesota game. I'm, I'm excited. Forgive me for the mistake. So you'll get Valley, and then a week later we'll play that weekend. So no midweek game coming up this week. The holiday game – that we play in Jackson every year. I know a lot of people don't want to play that game, but it's like, I get it because you're not going to draw big numbers in Starkville with the students gone. You're just not. Everybody's going to be gone for holiday breaks. So we could play this game in Jackson. I would be okay moving it around. We don't always have to play in Jackson. Of course, we have some big basketball benefactors in the central Mississippi area. And the fact that the Jackson metro area has really produced a lot of quality basketball players, I kind of get it. But I don't know why we don't go play this thing on the coast or go play this thing in South Haven. Go play it in Tupelo. You know, maybe you get a bigger crowd there. I think the novelty of it all, you'd say, well, you know, people in Tupelo would drive to Starkville. I don't know if that's really the case, especially during a holiday break. I don't know why we don't move it around like we do with baseball. Like we'll play in Pearl. We'll play in Biloxi. I think it's great when we take the team on the road and play a home game within the state away from campus. And so, you know, you're going to draw probably three to four times in Jackson what you would in Starkville, December 14th. We'll play Jackson State. They'll have some fans there, too. So it should be a good crowd. It should be a game that State can win. And you start looking at this, too. Nickel State 
coming to Starville December 17th, you got a real chance here. You got a real chance here to finish the non-conference schedule undefeated. Probably the biggest challenge is Minnesota, on the road at Minnesota. I mean, because the schedule kind of lightens up a little bit. It's not that Chris Jans has taken the easy way out, but he's given these guys an opportunity to get their legs under him before conference play. That's a big part of this thing. Now, it, you know, when I, when I look at the schedule, beginning of the year, I thought, you know what, hey, we'll have a winning record. But now you start thinking you got a real shot here at entering SEC play absolutely undefeated. Now, if that doesn't get you excited about Mississippi State men's basketball, and again, that doesn't mean we're going to do it, and you shouldn't use one loss as an excuse not to come. But we could go to Minnesota and win this game. They're 4-3 and three now and lost two in a row. And, of course, we, there's still a little time between we go play. I mean, they, they've got some uh, some games to play before we see them. But uh, they'll be at, at Purdue this Sunday, and they'll turn around and play Michigan on Thursday before they play us. So they're going to see some pretty quality basketball before they see the Bulldogs. So we'll get some good film on them. Christian and his guys will be ready to go. It's not they're going to be able to rest, guys. It's not like they're playing Mississippi School of Math and Science. They're, they're playing some Power 5 competition. and so. The schedule favors us, but you start thinking here, you know, they may have a losing record by the time we get there. And so let's say if you can find a way to win that game, you beat Valley, you beat Minnesota, you beat Jackson State, you're 10-0, and 0, then you take down Nichols and you play Drake at the Battle of the Vault. You, it is conceivable right now Mississippi State could be 11-0 and 0 when we welcome Alabama to Starkville for the SEC opener. And I think at 11-0, and 0, you're a ranked – 11 and 0. I don't think there's any question. I think we might be ranked before then. I think people look at the quality of the competition that we played and defeated. You look at that Utah win, that Marquette win, those are obviously very good wins. And it, again, it's very early. But I think you can feel really good about the direction of things. And a lot of people thought, hey, this year, you know, it's a developmental year. And it is. It is. But we didn't go cheap on a non-conference. It's not like we have got this inflated opinion of ourselves because we've played a bunch of bad teams and the confidence is all based in falsehood. We're winning quality games against quality opponents. It's exciting, man. I'm excited. You should be too. And so, again, I encourage you as always, December 3rd, if you're in the Starkville area, come out, watch us play. I know it's not a quality opponent, but we've got to get the hump bumping again. And certainly when we go to the big house in Jackson, I, I know it's not the best facility, but Mississippi State is playing. They're bringing the show to you. And let's go out there and, and fill the place up. You, you don't want Jackson State fans to outnumber us, and there's a possibility that could happen. So you need to take that as a personal challenge and get out there and go make the thing happen. On the women's side of things, and again, it's so fun to talk about basketball right now. There's just so much enthusiasm. It's not just with the players or the coaches. It's with all of you. There's so many people like, hey, I w- we want to talk about this. And the ladies are 6-2, and two, and that might be a little bit of a disappointment to some people. Of course, that quality loss in Brookings, South Dakota, the South Dakota State, that one-point loss, and, of course, they turned around the last weekend and beat number 10 Louisville. That's an NCAA tournament team probably going to win their league. And then, of course, State loses um, – uh, who else we lose to? Nebraska down in San Juan, Puerto Rico. You beat Georgetown – to death, and then lose by eight to Nebraska. And then State bounces back uh, last Tuesday with a 94-39 win over Louisiana Monroe. This Sunday, ladies in action in Starkville against Grambling State. That's a 3 p.m. tip. That's also available on the SEC Network Plus. 
on on uh, we'll skip a week there. Obviously, it's finals week, and then we'll have uh, Texas A&M Commerce come in, and then Florida A&M, and then we take on Old Dominion. We talked about that a little bit down in Suncoast Challenge, and you ought to be able to get you know New Mexico could be a, a diff, a, an interesting opponent, shall we say? Could be. Now they have had some good teams in the past. But, again, you start looking at this, too. You could see both the men and the women go on a really solid run here before we get into conference play. Uh, New Mexico currently 4-3. and three. So not a great team, but still, anytime that you got to go on the road and play somebody, uh, even on a neutral site, that uh, you know has more wins and losses, you, you got to bring your A game. But you start running through the numbers here, and you start realizing, you know, hey, Sam Purcell and the ladies could put together – potentially a five-game winning streak before we head to Nashville. And Vanderbilt has been better as of late. So we're not going to get we're not going to get any any breaks in the SEC, especially on the women's the women's game has come a long way. And thankfully Mississippi State's been a big part of that. But um, the women's game within this league has improved. There's not a lot of nights off in the Southeastern Conference on the women's side anymore. And there used to be this you know this belief and contention that the biggest gap probably in Division One sports is between the haves and the have-nots in women's basketball. I mean, you see some absolutely ridiculous scores sometimes. But in this league, things have gotten a lot tighter. Now, the game that you guys are excited about, let me go ahead and tell you now, New Year's Day, Mississippi State will host Ole Miss in Humphrey Coliseum. That's a 5 p.m. tip, and yes, it's a Sunday, but you're going to be off the next day, right, because they're going to observe the holiday on Monday. Make plans to attend. Begin start. Begin thinking about it now. If you're within the sound of my voice and you're not going to the bowl game, you need to be in Starkville when the ladies host Ole Miss. You need to be. And they kind of get a break, too. They're thinking, hey, you know, most of the state bands will be going to the bowl game. There's probably some truth in that. So if you are within a reasonable driving distance, and even if you're not, Consider coming to that game. That's an important game for Mississippi State. It is the SEC home opener. But also, too, you know, it's been forever and a day since we've been swept by Ole Miss and women's basketball, and we we certainly don't want to have that happen this year. And I think Sam Purcell is a guy that understands the importance of the rivalry and the importance of getting a win in that ball game. So uh, come out, support the ladies. And I know many of you are thinking, you know what, I don't know where the ball game is going to be. And let's talk about that a little bit in our final moments together. A lot of chatter out there, but I have been told with pretty good authority, and again, things change, you know, it's, you know things kind of move around, it's a greater than 50% chance that State is in a Florida bowl game. Greater than 50%, one person even said it's closer to 75% in a Florida bowl game. And of course, Vegas, there's a lot of talk that Vegas wants us. I am told that they are not going to be on our list of three preferences. They're not on our list. And again, I'm going to... Uh, Every day, I have to explain this to people every single year. I'm not guessing, okay? I, I didn't just make this up. Of course, I've had friends in the athletic department for many, many years. So the way the process works, again, is Mississippi State and every SEC team that is bowl eligible will submit a list of three preferences to the league office. Now, of course, if you make the New Year's Six or the playoffs, then those assignments are already made for you based on your seeding in the rankings. But everybody that's in the pool of six 
And then, of course, the, uh, you know, what is the Weed Whacker Bowl and the Birmingham Bowl? You know, it always changes. The two bottom bowls, the SEC makes every non-New Year Six decision with the exception of the Citrus. The Citrus picks their own team. It has historically been the top SEC team outside of the New Year Six. We fully expect it to be LSU. Fully expect it to be LSU. Unless LSU pulls an upset of Georgia and gets some chaos in front of them, LSU is locked in with the Citrus. With a loss, there's no chance of them making a New Year's Six. With a, with a win, they still need some help. But if they do beat Georgia, Georgia, I think, remains in the playoffs, and then LSU goes up, which means that you'd have four SEC teams in the New Year's Six or higher. Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and then LSU. Of course, that LSU lost to A&M last, year, last weekend was just devastating to their chances. And so now they're up against it. But they look to be locked in with a citrus. And then there is the one-game differential. I think it's important to understand this. You know, Kentucky, 7-5, and five, and they beat us head-to-head. And so you begin to think, too, you, you introduce that in the conversation, and you could see, well, things could change. However, with Will Levis declaring for the draft, I just don't think Kentucky fans are motivated to go watch the game. I think Kentucky's going to lose a bowl game. Uh, and I think as a result, because of the fact they're not going to be a team that's intact, that that one-game differential that they always use sometimes to justify a pick to screw a team, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard sell this year. Because, like, you look at it, okay, they beat Mississippi State, but they lost to South Carolina, they lost to Ole Miss, and then all three of those teams finished ahead of them in the standings. Right? So worst case for us right now, I'm hearing, is Music City Bowl. Worst case. And there are worse places to spend the holidays in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville is probably my favorite southern city, not named Starkville. I love going to Nashville. I love going to shows in Nashville. So much to do in Nashville. People are happy in Nashville. I love going. I do. But I don't want to go for a bowl game this year. I want to go to Florida. And chances are I'm going to miss it because I'm probably going to be in the Bahamas. But my point is, is I think right now you can feel fairly confident that State is going to be in a Florida bowl game. Is it the Relia Quest? Is it the Gator Bowl? A lot of that's going to depend on what South Carolina ultimately ends up doing. I know that South Carolina likes the matchup against Notre Dame. They would like that experience, and I would too. I'd love to see the Bulldogs play Notre Dame. Not to mention, I think we can beat Notre Dame. But if South Carolina really wants Notre Dame, whether that means moving them to the Outback or, or the Relia Quest, whatever we're calling it this year, or moving them to the Gator, I think they're more concerned about the opponent than they are the actual bowl destination. Even though there was some discussion that uh, ReliaQuest in Tampa has a bit of fatigue for South Carolina fans. They don't really want to go there. They'd rather go to the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. And I'm sure that is an easier trip for them. Uh, But the reality of it is South Carolina is, in my mind, exceeded expectations and put themselves in a good position here. So I guess there's probably a less than 5% chance we go to Vegas, but you can't totally rule it out right now. You You just can't. I'm told that Ole Miss wants to go to Vegas. And I'm told that Ole Miss is on the Vegas list. Now, of course, everybody will have all that ready to go. You know, and the Bulls are awaiting because the Bulls make their three preferences known, too. They, they inform the SEC, hey, we would like to have these three teams, one of these three teams. Now, let's say for an example that the Gator Bowl has South Carolina number one and South Carolina has Gator Bowl number one. There's no discussion to be had. That's what's going to happen. You're going to give everybody what they want. It's just like a, it's, I mentioned this on the Gene's page earlier today. 
Somebody's trying to argue with me about this. And like in 2017, do you think Texas A&M had the Belk Bowl on their list? Well, no, they didn't. They just happened to be the last team standing, so they got sent somewhere else. You think the Belk Bowl wanted Texas A&M? Of course not. They didn't. They wanted an, an Eastern team because people are not going to travel all the way from College Station, Texas to Charlotte. They're just not going to do it, and they didn't. The SEC made that determination. The SEC provides a bowl with a team. The, the bowls don't pick outside of Citrus Bowl. There are some people that think, oh, the list league officials said, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how many times they attended your games. In the end, the SEC makes a determination based on the information presented to them. You, you know, we, we deserve the Outback Bowl back in 2017. Remember that year? We lose Dan Mullen. We lose our staff. We lose Nick Fitzgerald to a cowardly uh, tackle in the Egg Bowl. So we weren't a good bowl team. So we slid to the Gator Bowl and ultimately won the game. Thank you, Greg Knox. But we were a better team. And so I think you kind of look at this Kentucky thing in the same light. Well, okay, they're not going to have their star quarterback. You know, ha, 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 LOL, I know. But they're not – they're not a team that is going to, you know, turn numbers. They're not a team that's going to get people excited. So you can see Kentucky probably ending up somewhere closer to home. Maybe that's Music City. Because maybe you're more likely to make that trip to, to Nashville rather than make a trip to Florida. And again, I just don't think Kentucky's a factor in this thing. I think it's going to boil down to ReliQuest or Gator between South Carolina and Mississippi State. That's how I see it today. I may see it differently on the next time we get together. And I think Ole Miss is out of a Florida Bowl at this point, barring something totally unforeseen. I know some of their fans are thinking they're going to get Outback. There's no way they're going to get the Outback over South Carolina, and they shouldn't get it over Mississippi State. You finished behind us in the rankings with the same record, and you lost head-to-head. And so there's all these, I think there's going to be some Ole Miss people really disappointed in their bowl destination because they have spent the entire year thinking, hey, we got a chance at a New Year's Six. And, oh, forget the fact that we've lost four of the last five. We should be in a New Year's Six bowl game. And so that's where things in their mind kind of set. And I just don't agree with it. I, I think that Ole Miss is probably, uh, probably in a Tennessee bowl game or Vegas. I don't think they go to Texas. I think they go to Vegas or they go to Music City. I guess they could go to Liberty. I don't think they've dropped that far yet. Uh, but the reality of it is the preferences matter, but ultimately the decision lies with Greg Sankey and the SEC office. That's how it works. It's I'm not guessing here. I'm not bringing all this stuff up. I, I've spoken extensively over the years with John Cohen about this, about how the bowl process works. Where do we factor in? That's like last year. You know, a lot of people expected us to go to Texas. Well, the Liberty Bowl wanted us, and we wanted Liberty Bowl. So we went to Liberty Bowl. It didn't matter what Texas wanted. There were a lot of talk last year of Texas Bowl wants Mississippi State. Texas was like number two on our list, I guess. But Liberty wanted us. We went to Liberty. We didn't play well. But that's how it worked out. So the Texas Bowl just couldn't say, well, hey, wait a minute, they got our team. No, the Liberty Bowl got their team because in Mississippi State got the bowl destination that they wanted. We just felt like we weren't going to be able to sell tickets to Texas Bowl in the middle of the week with all that traffic in Houston, Texas. I can't say I support the decision. I would have loved to have gone to the Texas Bowl. 
uh, rather than the Liberty Bowl. We've been there so many times, right? I would have liked to have had a new experience, but we didn't. So that factors in what the schools want, what the bowls want, have to work in conjunction. It can't be a situation because, like, if that was the case, you know, I'll give you a good example. Let's go back to 2001. And I mentioned this in my article yesterday. Ole Miss finished the regular season with a 7-4 and four record. Alabama finished the year with a 6-5 and five record. Ole Miss beat Alabama that year. Alabama got the Independence Bowl. Ole Miss stayed home. Was that fair? Absolutely not. And that couldn't have happened to a better group, but the reality of it is that is absolutely the wrong way to do things. That is one of the reasons that the SEC changed the language in the contracts about the SEC ball tie-ins, that the league office has to have some say. Because how many times have we been slotted to go to a better bowl game and we get stuck going somewhere beneath our record? We were a factor in that, too. The Outback passed us over a couple times when we were slated to go there. And so it's not just about that 2001 Ole Miss team, which that is probably the best example of how things can go awry without intervention from the SEC office. And so now they handle it. The SEC ranks the teams based on regular season resumes, and then they send them uh, to where they need to go. It's as simple as that. It's not a situation of, well, you know, well, this bowls is going to invite so-and-so. It, it, it's not like that. The, the, the process has changed, and thankfully it has for people like us, because if not, we'd never get a Florida bowl game. We'd always be in a Tennessee bowl game or headed out to Texas or whatever. That's, that's what we would do. Because if that was the case, wouldn't you just pick Florida every year? Like if you're the Gator Bowl, wouldn't you just pick Florida? Or maybe Tennessee. Would you ever pick State or Ole Miss? You rarely would, right? Unless it's like a novelty type thing. You just wouldn't do it. If it was all about ticket sales, you would always pick the team that geographically made the most sense for you. Or if you have a chance to get a huge fan base, it's going to travel well. It was the bowl system before was absolutely broken because so much, so little of it was based on merit. It was all based on money. Now, of course, everybody wants TV revenue and sponsorships, and it's like you don't you don't have to sell out the bowl game to make a bunch of money. They make most of their money with a TV package. So it's important to understand that too. They want a quality game. They want people to watch. They want eyeballs on the screen because then next year they can sell even more ad revenue. But back at you know, the ball system used to be broken. I mean, it's like how many years did Alan McKean and those guys put together great teams? Alan McKean and them got what one bowl trip? Because it was, you know, there's all we didn't travel. We're a bunch of we're a bunch of farmers, man. We didn't travel. It was all we could do to get people to go to Jackson to watch a game, or go to Tupelo to watch a game, or go to Columbus to watch a game. And so we didn't travel. So we weren't an attractive bowl team. And again, Ole Miss at the time basically housed the state legislature, just about everybody in the state legislature was educated at Ole Miss. So they had the advantage. The state legislature guaranteed ticket sales. And they sold them, and they used them. And so as a result, Ole Miss got picked to go to bowl games with greater regularity than the Mississippi State did because of the fact the bowls were looking to sell tickets. There wasn't TV packages back then. It wasn't a big deal. It was all about the turnstile. So it didn't matter if Mississippi State had a better record. Mississippi State wasn't going to travel. So Mississippi State got passed over. We talked about that story recently, too, about how Bob Sanders and those guys felt like that we just weren't sexy enough uh, for the bowl reps. And there were only about eight bowl games back then anyway, so we never got to go. Things are different now. Things are now based more on merit rather than they are money. 
of course, money moves everything around me too. But now with the SEC office and these lucrative SEC bowl tie-ins, the league has the final say in bowl destinations. And that's as simple as I can say it. I think I've gone all the way around the world to explain this to people over and over and over again. It is not what people are projecting that it is. Nothing is going to happen with the SEC bowl picture without the stamp of approval from the SEC office. And they're like, oh, well, they're going to have to step. They don't have to step in. They don't have to step in because they're the ones making the decision. And, and again, I'm not guessing on this. All right, listen, remind you, too, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilebook.com. We have had a huge rush of sales on Flim Flim. Somebody sent me a link yesterday that uh, they were like less than eight on uh, on Amazon. And then I checked it a little bit later and it said one left. And then we've got orders that are coming in from other bookstores now, too, because now there's new interest in Flim Flam. Now that Hugh Freeze has been hired at Auburn, there is new interest in the story. And so maybe you would like to buy a copy of Flim Flam for your Auburn cousin or for your Ole Miss brother-in-law. It's a gag gift. I don't care who you buy it for or what your motivation is to buy it. Just buy it. We got plenty of inventory of Flim Flam left. I believe we did three printings of that. I think that's right. I think we did three printings. Maybe actually before. I don't remember. Um, but there are, so there's a lot of Flim Flam left and there's a lot of dog pile left. Uh, there are precious few Stark villains and Alpha Dogs. If you haven't ordered those, you need to get those. And uh, what's interesting too, we, we kind of got lucky here because um, we found a case of Stark villains at a bookstore that was willing to part with it so we could fill holiday orders. And so there's a few more than we had maybe two weeks ago. So go to Dogpile the Book, and all of my sports books are there. You can get signed copies. Again, that's Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. And again, Flim Flam has been selling well all of a sudden again. And, and then all of a sudden, the Hugh Freeze news, and we've seen a spike in sales for Flim Flam. So if you haven't read it, you probably should. And uh, eventually, one day, we'll go back and update that book. And maybe that's a bit of a hint for you, too. We'll see. We'll see how things go. But um, not sure what I'm writing next, but I appreciate all your support. I had Betty Anderson send me a nice picture today of all five of my books sitting on her uh, bookshelf. That means a lot. You know, it didn't, didn't cost her anything to send that to me, but it meant an awful lot to me. It really did. She has every book I've ever written. Many of you don't have Blooms of Oleander, even though we sold a few thousand copies of that book, which is pretty cool. Go to uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMegan.com, or your local bookstore can get you Blooms of Oleander. And uh, it's a book, very personal, probably the most personal thing I've ever written. So a lot to it, too. There's some poetry, there's the, the randoms, and then there's a great short story about me and my dad, my oldest son. My agent said it's the best thing I've ever written. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I know it was the most difficult thing I've ever written. It's very personal. Talks about my dad's death. Um, talks about, you know, just it's called The Cycle of a Son, and it is very, very personal. And uh, my agent, when he read it, emailed me because he said he couldn't call me because he was so emotional. And so that, that, that means a lot to me, too, that I can elicit emotion from readers. So to me, that's the highlight of uh, Blooms of Oleander, though I've had multiple people contact me about making a couple of these poems songs. And I have given permission to do that, but I have not gotten demos of them yet. And along those lines, too, I've got a friend of mine that's working on a solo album, and it looks like i got a couple songs that might make the record. How about that? Wouldn't that be really cool? And so one of those songs, too, has a spoken word part, and uh, your good friend and host might actually do that part and then sing back up on the track. That would be amazing, right? And then it would say, like, featuring Steve Roberts. Wouldn't that be cool? And if it ended up being a hit, and then all of a sudden we could take the barnyard on the road, it'd be amazing. 
But listen, thank you guys so much for all your support of me over all the years. It's like every time I got something going on, there's almost so much interest in it. And I wouldn't be able to live this life without you guys. And the thing we talked about earlier in the show, you know, we have to appreciate every single day. We do. And that, that seems like such a cliche because we say it all the time. None of us are promised tomorrow. So if knowing that, knowing that life is short and death is certain, live wide open, man. I mean, absolutely take the trip, pack the car, take the chance, ask the girl to dance. The, probably the best piece of advice I've ever got in my life. And it's kind of how, I, how I, I've just basically, it's been like a creed for me. It was an older man one day we, we were, uh, we were talking and uh, he said, man, he said, uh, I was at his high school dance and uh, the prettiest girl in the room was across the room. I said, she wasn't dancing. And I thought, well, I'm going to ask her to dance. And I said, oh, no, I can't do that. She's just going to tell me no. He goes, and then it hit me. I already wasn't dancing with her. And he went over there and asked her to dance. And ultimately they got married. Isn't that a crazy thing? So I'm already not dancing with her. So some of my friends, like that's a catchphrase with me and them. Like they'll say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this and whatever. And I say, well, you're already not dancing with her, you know. So it's like I don't have anything to lose. I have nothing to lose by taking the chance. And so I encourage you, live your life the same way. You're already not dancing with her. If you go ask her and she says no, you had lost anything. You're still not dancing with her. But you know what? She might just say yes. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.